This is Women With Books, a collection of conversations about your favorite books, media, and all of the fabulous things in life. Curated by me, author Lindsay Emery. I'm so glad you're a part of today's chat. Hey everyone, this is Lindsay. (laughs) I'm back. Okay, y'all, what the heck is going on in this world? Um, I think you need an update. So, update. The Women With Books podcast went on a winter hiatus. Uh, It's been a few months since I've released new episodes, but during my hiatus, I needed it. I needed to um, reassess, reevaluate, rest, and I just waited for my podcasting muse to whisper in my ear again. And then one day it did, and I was back on track. I started organizing, scheduling, thinking through season five of Women With Books. I recorded episodes, and yeah, now um, the whole world's frozen. We're fighting, we're figuring crap out. And, um, and then it just, you know, once again, kind of threw, uh, this podcast, um, into, uh, a little bit of a pause, but you know what, here's what's going to happen. I'm producing episodes, yes, but I am taking it episode by episode. Um, things can change on a dime in the world as we've learned, and I don't want to promise you a full season of of this podcast because it's just me and you know um I don't know what's going to happen to any of us um during the episodes you do hear (laughs) you may hear children in the background my husband talking to his office colleagues um refrigerators I'm having to move around the house due to technological and people issues um because there are more people in my in my residence, living and working and watching TV and doing homework and doing Zoom calls. And so there may come a point as well that I don't feel like this is appropriate, um, either with my personal situation or, or what's going on in the world. I just might not feel that it's right to keep pushing books and talking about trivial matters. And at that point, when I don't feel like it's right, I'll just stop. Um... But right now, today is March 29th, 2020, that I'm recording this, and I still feel like talking about books is more important than ever before. Uh, Readers, you're out there. You will read through this. You have always read. You've read since you were a child or since you found something that changed your life. Um, readers, this is how we survive hard things when people are in the hospital. I firmly believe that this is how we process our emotions. This is how we learn to relate to others and to the world and how we learn about life, period. Or at least it is for me. And you know, after doing, um, 50 of these episodes and talking to so many authors who are also readers and, uh, talking to you out there. I know that this is true, that these, this is a fundamental aspect of our lives. And even when we're at home, uh, when we're uncertain, when we're scared, this is still something that we we all share. In the middle, I guess what I'm trying to say is in the middle of a world gone mad, books are there for us. Um, they're still in our bookshelves, virtual or real. They're still on library apps. They're still in ebook stores. And yes, they can even still come in the mail. Um, I have a very good friend who uh, ordered a bunch of books, including some of mine, and they all just came in one big batch one day, and she was very excited. Um, we can still talk about books on the internet or over the phone, Skype, and voila, on podcasts. But you know, we're outside, we're planting, we're 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 taking our dogs for long walks. And yes, I'm, I'm reading. I mean, if I want to stop in the middle of the day and, and go curl up with a book, that's, that's what I'm giving myself 
grace to do. So with all of that, I cannot wait to introduce the first episode of season five. I read an early copy of Victoria Shade's new release six months ago, and I'm telling you, it couldn't come out at a better time. It's uh, it's called Who Rescued Who, which you'll hear us talk about. Uh, and it's a great book for a pandemic. Does that sound awful? Um, but here's why. It's warm. It's sweet. It's funny. It's set in England. So that's just basically like all I need to escape. <laughs> and it has very cute animals. And you'll basically hear all about uh, that book and its awesome author right now. Right. All right. You want to talk for real? Let's talk for real. Okay. Welcome, everyone, to Women With Books. I have a very special guest today that she and I have already been chatting for, like, hours. <laughs> Victoria Shade. I'm, pretty, I'm pronouncing that right, right? You are. I always okay. say it's like lampshade. There. Well, yeah. There you go. Yeah. S-C-H-A-D-E. Uh -huh. I, I think if you had, like, umlauts and stuff, I think that would change the... Is it umlauts when you put the little dots over the yeah, Indeed no? it is, and it is a German name. It's uh, pronounced Schade, which means what a pity. So who knows what my freaking forefathers did to get that kind of name. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is the best. What a pity. Oh, my gosh. I love you so much. <laughs> I met you in person last year at Yay. New York RWA. You came down just to have a glass of champagne with people which i love yeah i actually came down you came up from pennsylvania that's where you're from right yeah but i'm really bad at geography so notice i, di I didn't correct you so yeah down up. I, mean, I guess it depends on what side of the globe you're on <laughs> yes i came into the city how about that came into the city yeah and it actually yeah. turns out that you live in the same town that i used to live in in high school doylestown pennsylvania is that still correct that's correct. I did not realize that. Which high school did you go to? Central Bucks East. Nice. I know. Big rivalry there. Yes. East and West. I dated um, a guy from West, though. So we were like Scandal. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> There's a book right there. Right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Set in rural Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Hey, it's pretty. You know it. No. I know, no, no. I tell everybody. I'm like, it was a dream. It was like living in a Norman Rockwell painting mm -hmm. and um and there in doylestown pennsylvania is victoria shade writing books about all sorts of things well actually here's the thing i want to talk to you about so you are a nationally recognized expert on dog training is that fair to say i would say that's fair to say i don't yes. know i wouldn't i don't know recognized but recognized let's say. <laughs> in the industry you are known as uh. well because that was your could, I mean, is it fair to say that was your first career or like, let's talk about well, this. Well, first career. No, I did no. what mom and, mom and dad wanted me to do. You know, went to college, got the good corporate job and always felt like it wasn't a fit. Oh, even though, yeah. I could see you being good at the corporate job, though. Oh, well, thanks. You know, I mean, it was, I was in sales. You're pleasant. Yeah, exactly. You're pleasant. You're professional. You could do it. Thank but, you. I can rock yeah. a high heel now and then when right? I'm on. Working you come from to, my you're writing the type cave. of person that comes to New York for a glass of champagne, <laughs> darling. God. I'm going to laugh this entire podcast That's interview. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> but yes, you are correct, darling. So you were in sales, and then how long till you're like, no, my true passion is dogs like how did that dogs happen? is that yeah. what the next step was or was there a medium step there no no it was very dramatic and oh and i had just married my husband and he was like what the hell are you doing because i had this pretty incredible job in tech we were in northern virginia which is the tech hub of the east coast during the dot com dot com boom where it's basically like hey i want to sell potatoes online boom you get a million dollars do it mm. so you know there was money like crazy and in sales, doing well, and I'm like, I just, this isn't working for me, stupid. And I literally had an epiphany sitting at my computer going, what, what do I want to do? And this voice said, be a dog trainer. And it made no sense. I swear to you, it made no sense. 
I'd never even set foot in a dog training class. But Are for you some reason, yeah, yeah. I'd always been like the family dog trainer, but I'd done it myself just by intuition and books, basically. So, yeah, I decided to quit my job and <laughs> apprentice and become a dog trainer. And, you know, it's one of those things where when you tell people, they're like, okay, all right. And this was 20 years ago. This was before... <laughs> It was a thing to the point where I would be at cocktail parties and people would say, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm a dog trainer. And they'd go, oh, what kind of doctor? Because it was such a foreign concept. I'm like, no, dog trainer. Now everyone and their sister is a dog trainer. But back then it, it was kind of a, a weird career choice. And I had no, no other choice but to make it work because yeah. I had left this pretty incredible job. So failure was not an option. And so you are. said you kind of dropped it a little bit. You were an apprentice. So mm -hmm. there was a dog training like career path that you figured out and you found a professional <laughs> dog trainer. <laughs> there, there was one. I, I'm a huge researcher. I love, I think every writer is at the core. And so I, I dove into figuring out like, how do I make this dream a reality? Mm -hmm. I reached out to a pretty famous dog trainer just to get some advice and she was British. It's not who you think. It's not the famous current British tra dog trainer. Mm. So we're, we're talking on the phone and she goes, there's no money in dog training. And mm. I'm like, well, why are you doing it then? Why have you been doing it for 30 years of your life? There is money in dog training. So not to be dissuaded, I just kept talking to people and getting advice. And I found a, a trainer locally who had an apprenticing program and learned everything you're not supposed to do when training a dog. And yeah, from that point on, found my own way. Well, not found my own way of training. I found a, a type of training that worked for me. And the rest is history. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, I have to say, like when I was first um, introduced to you and I saw that you had been on the Today Show or something or the Emma, there, you had like some TV credits and I, I was a little intimidated. I mean, but obviously oh. you got to a point where you, like I said, started becoming more recognized and people were inviting you on media. Um, did that feel like you had made the right decision then? Did people think that, um, oh, that's totally legitimate. Be a dog trainer. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the turning point was. Maybe my first book. Maybe uh -huh. that was about three to four years. And my memory is so bad, it's embarrassing. This was, well, this is your nonfiction book, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and I can't remember. <clears throat> it's not COVID, I swear. Um, I can't remember. I can't get it from here. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, you care if I die, right? Oh, very much. Very much. <laughs> okay, For the listeners, um, we are recording this um, during the COVID quarantine period. So, yeah. um, so if that's we why make, we're stir crazy. Yes, we are a little <laughs> bit punchy, and we will probably be talking about that as it goes on. So. Oh yeah. Um, so, yeah, I also did a, a puppy training DVD, and I, honestly, I can't remember which came first. The D, I think the DVD came before the book. Um, those things started to legitimize this bizarro career path when it was kind of like, oh, yeah, you have business plans that go beyond just going into people's homes and teaching their dog how to sit, even though there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I would like that so. very much. So... Um, <laughs> So one of the things that came up recently, because this is March 2020, and last month I was noticing on your social, you had a ton of amazing content that I was obsessed by behind the scenes at the Puppy Bowl. Yay! Is that, it's Puppy Bowl, right? Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. So for those people out there who maybe, I guess are non-American, I would think most Americans know this, but this is alternative programming on Super Bowl day on animal... Network? Animal Planet. Animal Planet, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, why don't you describe it? I don't know how to describe it. Puppies oh, and animals playing with toys. Football. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, it was pitched as counter-programming for Super Bowl Sunday. So the people who don't necessarily want to watch football all day but still want to have something fun and sportsmanlike to watch, why not watch a group of puppies playing football, air quotes, on this shrunken down field? And it's evolved. I've worked on the show for 14 years now. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, my it's, goodness. It's See, the nationally highlight. recognized dog trainer. <laughs> you get to go to the puppy bowl. Yeah, it's it's really a dream. It's hard work 
it's a long week. The days are long. It's physical work. Um, but it's the highlight of my year. I love it. So yeah, it's, it's puppies playing on a field, but there's so much more that goes into it because it's evolved into this huge event. When I started, people truly didn't know what it was. So when I was trying to um, cast it, because for the first two years I worked on the show, I found all the puppies that were playing on the field. Holy pressure. Holy pressure, let me tell you. But, oh my gosh! I, yeah. I've watched this for years, and now I feel like there's been this connection this whole time because I've always watched it. And they're like, "These dogs are up for adoption," and then by the end of the show, the dogs are already adopted. But well, okay, <laughs> like spoiler, <magic>. spoiler. <laughs> we film in October. Oh, it's not live. Everyone thinks that it's live, but when you really start scrutinizing it, it wouldn't be possible. To yeah. have it live because there's there, poop happens. A lot of poop happens and a lot of pee happens. And we'd be constantly interrupting the flow of the game to go out and clean up the poop and the pee. So, no. It's when we film in October, yeah, all those puppies are up for adoption. But by the time the show airs, they're pretty much all in their forever homes. How do people get, can people get on the list for next year's Puppy Bowl? Or how, is that through their foster agencies and stuff? It would be through the shelter. So if okay. someone, you know, really loves the, the shelter or foster group or, or rescue group that they worked with, they okay. can definitely try and rally to get them on the show. But they have Animal Planet has this incredible network of shelters and uh, rescue organizations they work with throughout the country. So, I mean, people are flying in from, my gosh, from California to New York for Puppy Bowl. So oh. it's they cast a wide net to find these adorable players. Well, I will put a link in the show notes to your Instagram because you've got the, all that Puppy Bowl content on your Instagram account. And Thank I'm, you. I know people will be interested because it was really interesting because I'm going to keep talking about it because it was interesting <laughs> to me because when you're watching it at home, you're hearing the announcers and da 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 da, da. But that's obviously all scripted later mm-hmm. because you kind mm-hmm. of have to let the animals do what they want. Mm-hmm. So at what point, though, did Puppy Bowl become kitten and sloth bowl like when did y'all start bringing the other animals in because there were some adorable pictures of you with a sloth this year oh that well that was a couple years ago oh it was a couple years ago okay yeah yeah we we had the sloth i think for two or three years so the 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 cheerleaders and the co-refs started coming in gosh at least five ten years ago and we've just gone through, like, every year I'm like, they, they can't surprise me with these cheerleaders that they're going to have this year. Because what can beat <laughs> penguins? We had penguins one year. Oh, you know what can beat penguins? Baby kangaroos. <laughs> Come on. So it's it's like the big thing. Like, who are our cheerleaders this year? And, and is we it had... your responsibility to, to wrangle the kangaroos, too? Or do they have no. a kangaroo specialist on They staff? have specialists. Okay. I wish... <laughs> I did get to hold it. So at one moment, I've, I've, we've worked with the uh, the exotic animal wranglers for a few years now, the same outfit. And they were wrangling some kangaroos. And they're like, here, can you hold this? And I'm like, hold a baby kangaroo? Yes. <laughs> but it was in a bag. Like, that's how they, they transport them, like the of mama's bag. Course. You know, her oh little my- belly. So I look like I had my tote bag with, you know, my, my lunch and my work shoes. But... <laughs> In reality, there was a little baby kangaroo hanging out in there, and it was it was a moment. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm I have I am overcome with joy at that image of a baby kangaroo in a tote bag. Well, there's um, a story, and on my Instagram stories, there's one that's all about puppy bowl, and there's a brief video of the little kangaroo popping her head out of a bag, and it's so worth cute. looking at. So cute. I love that. Do you do any other like media shows or anything behind the scenes that we don't know about? I do. I do. do I've worked do, do on... we know about them? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I well, I don't know if you, if you know, know about them. Um, the most recent was a commercial last year for a dog food brand. And this is kind of funny. Um, they're like, okay, you're going to wrangle the cast the puppies and wrangle the puppies and get all the action that we need. And keep in mind, when they say get the action, these are untrained puppies. But mm. I have tricks. You know, after doing it for all these years, I have tricks on how to get the shot. Um, so, and then they're like, hey, can you also be the on talent or on screen talent? I'm like, oh, okay. So, I, I mean, I've done on screen before. I was on two seasons of a show called Faithful Friends where I was like the 
um, dog trainer person. Like the, I had a little interstitial with me training dogs on camera. So it wasn't like, oh, I've never done this before. But <laughs> the way the angles they were shooting me, like you reach a certain age or you take selfies and you know you have angles that work. Yes. Well, these were not angles that work. It was like they're on the <laughs> ground shooting up. And I have a round head anyway, so I'm like, all you're going to see is double chin, if not triple oh. chin. So this, I was dreading seeing this thing, and it's it's not a commercial on TV. It's uh, like a web commercial. And they, they said, oh, no, I think I found it. I was watching something. I'm like, oh, my God, that's my face. No. So it was just as bad as I thought it would be. Tons of triple chin. And my hope is that not many people have seen it. But the other day in the grocery store, someone that I know from town was like, oh, my son saw you in that commercial. I'm like, oh, great. It's oh still out gosh. there. Yeah. So. But, yes, I do stuff like that. Um, I can't. What else has been recent? I do um, on-camera stuff for, like, PetMD, um, Chewy. I'll do stuff for them occasionally. So, yeah, there's always stuff popping. I'm working on something right now. Hopefully, fingers crossed nationally recognized right oh, there geez. No. my neighbor is a um is a guide dog trainer or oh. service animal trainer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um and she has two permanent dogs that live with her one is they are both um puppies that she trained and then for different reasons flunked out of the final exam <laughs> mm -hmm. so she brought them back home and they're actually you know because they're very in most respects, very well trained. So they're actually great to have around the littler puppies that come through. Mm -hmm. um, but one of them has an agent, and oh. uh, because he is so, <laughs> he's such a good dog. He's so he's this perfectly behaved in ninety eight percent of the time. Um, he just wasn't good enough to make the cut for guide dog. But um, but he does have an agent, so sometimes she's like, you know, he's in the Pier One commercial this week, or he's wow. in the, this such and such commercial, and. So if you ever need a really beautiful golden retriever, I know of one for you. Excellent. <laughs> Good to know. I'm going to file that away. I know. I'm like, I'm, I'm making the connections. I'm making Nikki some dollars. Okay. Nikki. I like Nikki. it. Yeah. Um, so let me just ask you this. Since I'm talking about my neighbor, she's given me some dog training tips before. And, but you had something on, I think your Instagram stories recently about how to train a dog not to bark and that seems to oh, me to right. be yeah. like the hardest thing for us because you i think my dog was barking earlier i'm not sure if that made it on this recording or not <laughs> um because it's we want our dogs to bark to give us notice sometimes if something's wrong or if there's like a mean guy with a ski mask at the front door mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but um but you know not every single amazon delivery guy needs to be like torn apart by my dog so <laughs> what is 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 there something like quick you can tell me or is this like a multi-year process that i'm gonna have to like put you on a consultation fee for <laughs> It's not a multi-year progress or process, but you have to think about how long your dog has been doing it successfully. Um, and that will give you some idea as to how long it will take to undo it because it's a deeply rewarding behavior. It feels good to bark, right? Mm. So you have to, and not only that, it's deeply instinctual. And there's nine times out of 10 in the dog brain, there's a good reason why they're doing it. You know, yeah. there is someone breaching the perimeter. Oh, my God, sound the alarm. So all of those things influence how quickly and easily it'll be to change that reaction. But, you know, in a nutshell, basically food, always food. And you're, you're helping your dog understand that, yes, you can alert to that thing. But the faster you stop barking, the quicker you're going to get rewarded for it. Ah. So that's like high-level overview. Oh, basic, basically you want them to realize that um, coming to you quietly is what will get them the reward. So with my dogs, mm. it's really hard because they get each other riled up. Like one is the barker and one is the follower. But it's funny because the barker will keep barking a little bit and the follower's like, oh, I'm, I'm being really good. I'm coming to you. Look how quiet I am. She's stupid. I'm smart. And it's adorable. <laughs> and then when the barker realizes, she's like, oh, my sister's getting food. Let me be quiet and come over and be get some food, too. So it, in Got a multi-dog household, they can kind of play off each other. Oh. But we can explore this offline. I'll have okay. more tips for you. 
<laughs> no. No, I can't remember whether you told me this or whether it was on your social or books or something. You had a store. Did you have a pet supply store? I did. I now, did. Now, was it just for yeah. dogs or do you, like, allow other animals to come in and partake? <laughs> <laughs> I welcome all animals. We had a pig in there once. We had a bunny in there. Um, cats. Yeah, all were welcome. It was primarily for dogs. I had a tiny little cat section. And it was at a point in my career when I had started to burn out because mm -hmm. really, you know, dog training full time, it's it's challenging. You mm -hmm. do burn out. You do get compassion fatigue. Um, and especially the way that I did it, I was going into my clients' homes and working with them, with their dogs, in the family environment. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a lot. So at that point, I knew I wanted to stay in the dog world, but I needed to take a step back from training. And I opened the store, and it was magical and awesome and really heartbreaking because eventually, after six years, I had to close it. But I learned a lot, and I met some of my favorite people in the world through the store. And also, it helped fuel a future story you will soon hopefully fingers crossed see the next book that has to do with a dog store yay well that's what kind of what i was thinking about i was like she had this pet store and i know that when you're sitting in there watching customers come in with their animals and stuff i can't help but think you start coming up with character ideas story like you start mm -hmm. hearing crazy things that people are like oh, oh guess yeah. what my dog did and i mean you've probably heard that through training too um but here's a question i had for you do you think that dogs and their owners really do resemble each other or start to resemble each other you know what it's not cool to say this, but I don't. Oh. I don't. I don't. Well, I mean, I'm I... glad to hear it because my dog has like a big mustache and black <laughs> hairy eyebrows. So I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> not at all. No, and my dog has resting bitch face like permanently. So <laughs> yes. I don't want that either. No, I don't. I don't see it. I mean, I think it can happen, but I don't think that there's any tendency to pick up each other's physical features over time no or maybe maybe we self-select for dogs that like subconsciously resemble us like the people who take the afghan hounds might be tall and thin and elegant but no i don't think so okay um well talking about characters and stories and dogs i do let's let's get into the new release that's coming out um who rescued mm -hmm. who which i was very very lucky to get an early copy of last fall um why don't you tell us about it oh well who rescued who is a fish out of water story about a woman who's obsessed with living her life online and obsessed with her job and very suddenly and dramatically, she loses her job. And at about the same time, she realizes that she has family she didn't know about in England. And she also discovers she has a, an inheritance there she didn't know about. So she thinks that she'll just quickly jet over to the UK and get this in, uh, inheritance thing taken care of and maybe meet these relatives, her aunt and uncle, and then jet back and resume her life in the high-tech fast lane. Well... Fargrove, England has other plans for her, and while she's there, she literally stumbles upon this needy little puppy, and she realizes that her aunt and uncle have needs of their own, and next thing you know, the quick trip is anything but, and then we add in a little sparkle of some uh, handsome British stranger, and there you have Who Rescued Who. I loved it so much, Victoria. I'm oh, like 100% being honest with you, with the audience. I actually, just hearing you say that again, I'm thinking I might reread it because it's oh the my perfect gosh. book for these times. These, if if y'all are listening to this and you're still at home, you're scared, you're anxious, you're trying really, really, really hard not to look at your bank accounts or your, your investments <laughs> or whatever, oh this book will take you away. I mean, I thought, I think I'd... So y'all sent me an early copy and were like, what did you think? Give us a quote. And I think I gave you like three paragraphs. You gave me, you gave me a great <laughs> quote. I loved it. But, um, but I was really like, this is like this. I'm a big fan of English countryside stories. You've got that aspect. You do have the romance. You've got this family aspect that is um, not cliched and not... Um, 
I don't know, not corny, but incredibly touching. Um, and there's just like this fantasy aspect that you could go to England and, and find a new way of living. And it's mm. um, exactly, exactly what we all need to be thinking about these days. That's so kind of you. I, I did a post recently where I said, you know, transport yourself to Fargrove, England, where the only illness they're facing is lovesickness. Oh, Right? No, no COVID in Fargrove. No. And there's this beautiful, you know, she finds new friends. Um, there's a pub. There's this great coffee shop that I want to go to. Like, I'm seriously thinking about it. And I'm like, I can see everything in my head. And that is the mental vacation I want to go to. I want to go to the art gallery. Mm, <laughs> oh, and the yeah. sheep. The sheep. Yeah, Blossom and Rosie. Yes. They How were special. I forget about the sheep? They become yeah. like this great little character. So where did you get this idea? It's kind of funny how this this world sprang from this single idea. And the single idea was influencers. You oh. know, how... Yeah, because that's the kernel of the core of the story is people who live their lives online in this very glamorous and enviable way. Mm. Maybe when you peel back some of the layers, maybe that's not really the truth. So mm -hmm. I did a lot of research about influencers. I watched a great movie that I love, Ingrid Goes West. Have you seen that? No. Oh, my God. It's so good. I Where love it. Where can I get love this it. movie? I think it's Netflix okay. or Amazon Prime. Yeah. It's so good because it's it's a really hard look at influencers and, and the lives they lead and, and the lengths they go to to get the shot, which is kind of a, a motif in the book oh, as well. Definitely, definitely. It gets her it, it gets her out of her house because she wants to go like Instagram stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but it also gets her in trouble because she realizes that not everyone else wants to get the shot. Like the puppy she finds, for example, mm -hmm. Georgina, there's a scene where she's trying to get like the perfect selfie with this new puppy next to her and what happens Georgina's like hell no so and they have a, a funny moment together so you know this whole idea of not making personal connections anymore oh. we're so focused on our phones looking down we're not connecting to each other so that's really what set me down the path and then I thought about taking this person who's so dependent on her phone she doesn't have real relationships other than work and I said well what would happen if we plopped her in a place where she doesn't have that option and mm. she's forced to make connections whether she wants to or not you know a lot of these people in Fargrove they want to have a relationship with her and she's kind of like whoa pump the brakes but they they're not hearing it they she's family she's a new friend she's the pet parent to this puppy whether she wants to be or not so yeah it's just a it's a it's a story about getting out of your comfort zone mm -hmm. like maybe against your will and, and learning to connect to people and nature and the beauty that's all around us. Okay, and I'm going to take that quote and say that is exactly what we're living through right now, though. Yeah, no, yeah, there all, are some parallels. There's so many because I, the last few days I've just said I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not looking at the news. I keep my phone next to me um, just because it's my phone like I'm like okay if someone like I've got friends texting I've got you know but I'm like mm -hmm. I'm only using it for that if someone needs to call me if someone needs to text me because I'm it's not real you know whatever mm -hmm. is out there um I can't do anything about right. um it's causing me anxiety and <laughs> um oh yeah and I'm I'm sitting here playing a board game with my kids and there's right. literally nothing else we have to do but right now and trade you know, wheat for sheep and sellers of Catan. <laughs> and it's like, so good. that is my life right now. And that is okay. And that's oh, what your it. book's about too. It's like literally figuring out I've got a sheep and a dog here and I've got a life and I need to focus on. And yeah. Um, Look up, man. Yeah, look, look up from your phone. Because if you keep, especially now, if you keep looking down, it's gloom and doom, and you're going to start to, it, you can't help but have it get to you. Oh, no. Versus, you know, connecting with your family, your pet, the environment, nature. 
Right. It's going to help you get through this. Right. I mean, I, I opened up my phone last night. I said, okay, I'll, I'll check the news every night and just see. Because I do. I, I have like a special Twitter list um, mm-hmm. where I just put like news organizations. So I could like quickly see headlines. Um, a lot of them are my local news. So, you know, but I open it up and like the Dallas Morning News is like, here's what you need to know. How many deaths occurred today? Mm. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's and you what regret I'm met it with, right? Which is important news. I I want to know. I want to know how my community is being affected. But at the same time, it's 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 a lot. It's a lot to handle mm-hmm. when that's mm-hmm. all we can hear about. And when so. you feel powerless. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing we can do. So we just need to Let's buy stay books. Stay home. Stay home. Buy books. Drink tea. <laughs> And leave reviews. Leave reviews. Positive ones, please. Only positive. You know, there's so much negativity in the world. Oh, God. Don't uh. don't come out here and say, I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm telling it like it is. Don't come online and say, like, this author didn't know what she was talking about. Because you know what? Uh. None of us do. None of us yeah. do. We're just out here trying to make you smile. Right. That's all. Yes. So, you nope. get it. Yeah. That's what I mean about about doing an interview with you is you're you're right there in the trenches. You get it. I will say I, I okay, I should be saying this. I don't read my reviews. I really oh, do not. Oh, me neither. Oh, let's talk about it. Let's go there. But one came through my filter. I really don't know how. And it was like this is a completely what was it? Unrealistic story. And I'm like, "Thank you. Thank you very much." <laughs> Like, that was my favorite thing ever. I might use it on marketing. Because I'm like, I don't want to write realism. I am not the author for people if they want realism. I'm sure there's tons of people out there who will write the world um, in all of its depressing glory. (laughs) So that was something you and I talked about when we talked about The Royal Runaway was I was so impressed with your world building. I totally bought into everything. And to me, I'm like, this is so realistic. Is this place real? Because, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I do not agree with that nasty reviewer. I, you know, it's, that's another thing I think, though, as an author, you start to realize is that everyone's got their cup of tea. Everyone's Mm -hmm. got their, you know, and, and I might not be your flavor of tea. That's fine. But again, go move on. Go Mm -hmm. like say, and if you're writing a review, be like, these are the things I like. And these are the things I didn't like. That is Mm -hmm. fine. Because then it helps other people say, Oh, I really like, you know, whether it's low heat, high tension, high stakes, mm-hmm. low comedy, you know, whatever it is, like, give me that. That's fine. But, um, but yeah, anyway. I, I stopped reading my reviews, but I had one like back when I was stupid and still reading them. Someone had said from my first book, Life on the Leash, they're like, oh, it's as if this person took uh, someone said they had to take all these these tropes and throw them in there like the the fashion show slash makeover. I'm like, no, no. I put that in there because I freaking love it. Give me a shopping montage where we're seeing someone in different dresses. I am so there for it. So it wasn't a matter of like. Oh, what's what's going to sell? It was me indulging my own love of a good like we're at the mall trying on different outfits. Yeah. So no, I love that yeah. too. But that's what you know. Well, as again, as a this is more as a author, but also as a reader, like identifying those things that you really like. Okay, I like you know a shopping montage. Guess what? There will be a shopping montage in every single one of my books, y'all. And and you're going to attract those readers who are like, I also like a shopping montage. But, you know, some people don't want to read about it. And that's that's fine. That's cool. Right. You Just do don't you. be mean about it. Yeah. Don't be mean. Only good reviews. And th- and again, I'm, I'm this is my soapbox today, apparently. <laughs> again, we live in a world where it is like negativity all the time and everyone's got an opinion about how someone else has screwed up and maybe we just need to focus on keeping those to ourselves <laughs> seriously yeah i mean i'm down for constructive criticism but the the meanness no thanks yeah yeah i had a writing coach who said we should actually look at reviews to see 
like what people like about us and what we don't so we can lean into you know mm. our strengths and i'm like i like that but i'm just not reading them so <laughs> No, I get a physical reaction. Like, I will feel my hands start to shake and my breath start to become shallow when I think that a review is going to come across my screen. Like, my my Goodreads account, which I'm, I'm not as good about it as I should be, but I will literally put a piece of paper up so I can't see the star rating on any of my books. Like, if I have to update my blog or something, yes. that's, that's how bad it is for me. Goodreads is sneaky that way, exactly, because I'll be like, oh, because I want to go on and be like, oh, I read this book, I did this. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what I just clicked, but there's my books. And I'm yeah. like, I don't want to see my books. <laughs> no, get it away. I only want to say nice things about my friend Victoria's books. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so what, what was the hardest part of writing Who Rescued Who for you? Um, I, uh, I, you know what? This is something that trips me up in every book. The, the content the characters i love all that it's it's a pleasure for me i don't get the whole like oh writing is torture no for me writing is the best thing ever but what i really have a hard time with is timeline holy mm. crap my my copy editor was like how long has it been has this been weeks or days what this isn't clear and it was just torture for me to have to go back and be like yeah i don't just poetic license you know it's been time just general time doesn't that work so yeah, that was the hardest thing. And it, for both books, truly, the timeline. I'm laughing because I always act like all of this can be done in a day. Like, and then they go do this. And then they go do this. And because I want to keep the pace up. You know, I want this right, to be a fast yeah. read. And then I'm like, wait, no one has slept. No one has eaten. No one has. <laughs> You're bending the time-space continuum in the effort to tell a story. Oh my gosh. And God bless him. My copy editor for my last book, The Royal Bodyguard, I thought I had made up a um, Formula One Grand Prix. Mm. I had made it up because I'm like, I do, I'm, I'm realistic like that. And I know I can't like do research on a real thing. So I make up one. But <laughs> apparently there was another. So I called it the, the Slovenian Grand Prix. And apparently there is a real Slovenian Grand Prix, but for like BMX bikes. So my copy editor thought that was what I was referring to. Oh, and so the whole book, and it's not their fault. Like that's what they're <laughs> supposed to do. So they found this Slovenian Grand Prix and like the whole book, they're like, the Slovenian Grand Prix takes place in, I don't know, June. You say this is six months. This says it's four months. And I'm like... <sighs> And so, like, we had this entire timeline issue, and it wasn't anybody's fault, but I, mm -hmm. I just had to keep saying, basically, no, Stet, I made this up, Stet, I made this up, Stet, I made this up, because well, um, I didn't really know there was a real one. So. But if they're, if they're thinking BMX, which is like a pedal bike, and you're thinking race cars, that's another big difference. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really reference it that much. I was just, it was just kind of like in the background, like, oh, it's been six months since blah, blah, blah happened. And, and they're like, no, actually it's been four. I'm like, oh, it hasn't because it's fake. <laughs> it's fake, damn it. Again, I make things up for a living. <laughs> right. It's unrealistic. Come it's on. unrealistic. So <laughs> actually we skipped right into talking about who rescued who, but I am curious, how did you make the jump from fiction or nonfiction being nationally recognized dog training expert to going to a fiction writing career so i loved the fiction did elements. you hear a voice in your side your head that's what i want to know oh did i hear a voice yeah no okay. i didn't hear i heard voices plural <laughs> oh Ooh. even better no i when i wrote my first book bonding with your dog I had I did little vignettes, like little stories that illustrate the the teachable concepts, because that's the way I like to learn is not just like the cold hard facts. Give me a surrounding story to help me put it into a context. Hmm. So as I would work on those, I'm like, oh, this part's super fun. Like I like talking about this guy and his dog's afraid of cars. Awesome. And then I'd have to get to the actual how to part. And I'm like, oh shit I don't like this as much like this is hard mm -hmm. have you, if you've ever tried to write instructions like how to do anything you really have to think about the words you're putting on the page because people interpret things differently mm -hmm. so that aspect I'm like okay fiction fun nonfiction not fun 
So I started to realize not only I enjoyed it more, hopefully I, I did it well, and then I realized that my career of going into people's homes was just filled with stories. The characters that I met, mm-hmm. holy moly, I just... Every I would tell my mom these stories and she'd be like, write it down. That's that's a book. Write it down. And that's how the first book came to be. It just was too, it was impossible to ignore how ripe it was for storytelling. Yeah. Because it's so human, right? I mean, so, and that sounds weird. Dog training is so human. But it is because <laughs> it it's. It is. Yeah. They're reacting to us. And it's all about like, how do we find our way of communicating with this animal and well and also it's it's people always say i want to be a dog trainer because i love dogs okay good luck with that because the people sign the checks you know Mm. you have to be as good if not better with people than you are with dogs because you have to convey you're you're a translator between canine language human language and trainer language Mm. so yeah it's and hence the getting exhausted and burnout thing that I talked about before. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I had never thought about that before. That's you're, but you're absolutely right. The the translation from canine to human mm-hmm. and and saying it in a way that that particular person can understand because each of us are coming to you with different expectations, different strengths, different weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Different and, learning styles. Yeah. And especially if you have someone who's High energy, low energy, <laughs> very emotional, non-emotional. Oh, yeah. I, I always said it was it was like stepping onto a stage. Every time I walked into a client's home, I had to entertain the four-legged participant and the two-legged participant. So it was very like reading the room. Like you said, like, do I have to do a song and dance or do I have to just stay super like mellow? We're doing yoga together. So it, yeah, you being a good dog trainer is all about connecting to the humans because it's an it's an assumption you have to be good with the animal but yeah making the people like you is really important Mm. well and that's also fiction (laughs) that's true (laughs) making people like the people in my books yes you're right another parallel well did you i mean i was there a book that you read at one point and you're like, okay, I can, I can do this. I can, I can write. Or did you just always know that you had these stories in you? Well, I've always been a storyteller and a writer. You know, I've, I did lots of creative writing in college and tons of journaling, which I think helps. Um, So it wasn't, it wasn't like this, holy crap, where's this coming from? It's always been within me, but making it formal was different. You know, I don't know if there was a book that brought it out it was just it was a pull that I couldn't resist so maybe it was a voice hmm. maybe it was something saying you know you need to do this but it just got to the point where I I knew I had to when you were younger or a child would was there a book that kind of you were obsessed by or that changed your life in some way oh god yes yeah. so many I was the weird kid that would you know bring books on the bus and wouldn't talk to anyone and read 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 so obviously the little house series yes 100% uh little princess loved that um Anna Green Gables I was a little older for that one but you know they there's something about the Little House series. It was so evocative to me mm. to the point where I will reference Almanzo's milk-fed pumpkin. And people are like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but that fascinated me. I wanted to grow a milk-fed pumpkin. I don't Do you know even what I'm talking know. about? I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big, I always say, tell people, I reference Little House a lot because, but it might have been more the show because we were also... Mm. I'm not quite sure how old you are, but I was a generation that actually did watch Little House on the Prairie. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. So I watched it too. Um, so sometimes I'm like, did I get that from the book or the show? Um, so I'm not really sure, but yeah, it's the milk-fed pumpkin and then the the ribbon hard candy that yes. they would get on special occasions. That you know, just I do remember that an orange. Well, there was always like these weird mentions of oranges for Christmas. Yes. Yep. <laughs> even I think a, that's a literary thing, though. I think there are a lot of books that go there. Yeah. You know, oranges are exotic at that in that time period. Right. And I'll always like tell my kids like when they complain about stuff, I'll be like, you know. 
children in the pioneer age didn't have this and this because I'm in my head. I'm just thinking of like Laura Ingalls Wilder and yeah. they, they look at me weird. I've, I've tried actually showing them the shows and they aren't as fascinated with that. So I'm not really sure what that. How old are means. they? Oh, they're in their early teens now. And I tried mm. when they were younger mm-hmm. and I think maybe just like the pace was a little bit yep. slower. Of those That's what shows. I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, what it is now. But anyway, um, yes, Anna Green Gables, too, I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people ask you for recommendations, is there a author or books that you always recommend? Well, it depends on if we're talking dogs or oh. humans. Yeah, well, but for, for, do- for dogs. What do dogs like to read? Bum, <laughs> <laughs> bum. See, we're still punchy. <laughs> so what do dogs read? I don't know what the dogs read, but I know what their people should be reading. Okay, and yeah. One of my favorites is called The Culture Clash. It's a little bit older. It's not for everyone. Some people don't like the author's tone. It's by Jean Donaldson. She was a director, I think a director of the San Francisco SPCA. I studied under her. She's incredible. Um, It's just a really unique way of looking at the relationship between people and their dogs. And I read it at the very beginning of my training career literally would laugh out loud at some of the stuff she was saying and it's one of those like oh my god you're right you're right so love that book um i love the other end of the leash by patricia mcconnell also great will make you cry um that's a really really good one um and then if we're talking people yeah this uh, speaking of hating (laughs) i read this book and I was jealous. I was so oh. jealous because I didn't write it. The Hating Game is so good. Yes. God, she just, yeah. I really, really loved it. So, yeah, that's that's always a recommendation. Bringing Down the Duke is a recent one that I love. Wasn't that Eva good? Dunmore. So good. It's like she's redefining the genre in a sense. Like yeah, it's It was weird because I felt like it was so fresh and new, but it was hitting, like, all the buttons for me that... Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't, I was like, why am I feeling like this is, and maybe because the time period was slightly new, the suffragette angle. Mm-hmm. I wasn't mm-hmm. really sure. I was like, I'm really enjoying this. It feels, yeah, it felt good to read. Is that weird? Yeah. No, <laughs> not at all. It's always great when someone breathes new life into a genre that you're familiar with and already love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Evie Dunmore, you've been—I I can't wait to get that next book. Hint, hint, people. Yeah, dude. Handing Come out on. her books. We'll we'll tag them and see what I'm we fr- get. I'm friends with Evie. We're there. Buds. You go. Yeah, get me so on that list So we had dinner too. together. Come on. It's uh. Wait, don't don't tell me the name. It is something that um. A rogue of one's own. Bam. Come on. We'll, we'll right? tag. We'll tag them on this stuff. Like, hint, hint. <laughs> Yeah, every time I see someone going, look what I got, I'm like, come on, people. Girls got to read here. I, I hint so much. <laughs> Terry Wilson actually is the one who taught me this. And if she's listening, oh. she'll she'll um, recommend. But she's like, I just, she goes, I just go into their mentions and I tell them I want that book. I'm like, okay. Okay. <laughs> I like the direct approach. I think she tries indirect first. And then if that doesn't work. Sorry, Terry. Uh, hey, Sorry, Terry. By for any calling means you out. necessary. <laughs> I love Terry. She's the best. She is the best. She doesn't even know. I, I was going to say she doesn't even know how good she is, but I think maybe she does too. Hopefully, she has an inkling. <laughs> I think so. So, is there a book or genre that people would be surprised that you like? Um. Yeah, I think there's a couple books. I, I did a story recently. I was finally cleaning off these bookshelves, and I pulled some favorites down, and I'm like, oh, these might shock some people because i love geek love by katherine dunn oh do i know this one i don't know it's older okay um it's about circus geeks and it's like genre bending insanity like people either violently hate it or just are enthralled by it okay so yeah it's different for someone who write who who reads uh, and writes women's fiction slash rom-com but it's magnificent and as is perfume by patrick patrick suskind um again just now is that fiction or it's fiction yeah it's it's about a man who has this incredibly heightened sense of smell 
and it, it it almost drives him mad trying to track down the source of the most beautiful smell that he's ever smelled and it sounds so bizarre but it is beautiful and it's just again evocative yeah i'm surprised i am surprised so, by these yeah i'm excited i'm gonna look them up though yeah oh and one more one oh, more okay. nonfiction. Nonfiction. mary roach everything she writes is hysterical but the book stiff which is about what happens to cadavers oh my gosh victoria you don't even yeah. understand i have recommended this book oh! for so many years <laughs> yay no like since it came out i heard right? it, i heard her interviewed on terry gross or something mm-hmm. and I, I i bought it in hardback and i was enthralled and i told so many people about it and if you want something that gets you a weird look at dinner parties <laughs> this is the book i, I was, was reading this the book first about chapter. dead people right <laughs> where she's like oh my god we're cutting into to severed heads in the first chapter i'm like this is the book for me i love it i i i've read a couple of maybe one or two of her follow-ups which were which were good but nothing that I think this was her strongest um I liked Bonk the one about sex I'm not sure if I read that one I feel like I, I did but I'm not sure which ones were which yeah yeah it was she's she's pretty special too yeah but stiff is but I'm telling people like no no you'll love it <laughs> and I think I gave it as a gift to some people oh. Which was a bad move. Yeah. Because, Your mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. And they're looking at me going, what, what is this supposed to mean? Why, right. why are you giving me, me this book? And I'm just, it, it just goes to show, y'all, I have been I, I'm one of these people that just recommends books for my entire life. And then I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> Not everyone likes what I like. So. And, it, and it says something about you, too. Like, that's why anytime you make a book recommendations, you're saying, like, this is a part of me that you might not know. And do you still like me? <laughs> <laughs> and I get my answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they ignore your phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Oh, Victoria, I don't want this to end, but... This has been so fun. No, I do think it's time for the lightning round. Are you ready? Yay! Let's go, baby! Okay. Dark or milk chocolate? Dark. Coffee or tea? Coffee. When your phone rings, do you answer it? I'm such a geek. Yes, that's what it's for, dummy. I know. Unless it's a number I don't recognize. Do you do oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. I get a lot of, of robocalls. Do not answer those. Yeah, no. Okay, good. Um, like, especially from Arizona. Like, nothing. Really? No, I get, I think I might have accidentally put my number on some political things at one point, and uh. now. <laughs> <laughs> they're hot for you. Yeah, they're, they're, they really want to talk to me this year for some reason. Okay. <laughs> Uh, how do you normally waste time on the internet? Oh, everything. Reddit is a huge time suck. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, in that order. Are you finding... This is a bad lightning round. I shouldn't be stopping you. But am I <laughs> the only one? Or is... Because I'm done, I'm in quarantine, self-isolation, I feel like I'm running out of internet. Oh, we. my husband and I say that all the time. Like when we're sitting on the couch and it's 11 o'clock at night, we're like, I've reached the end of the internet. I can't do anything else. Yeah. Maybe instead no. of us providing like other tips, we should be like, here's a website you haven't seen before. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, people, do you know Jezebel? Jezebel is a great feminist website that's funny and sexy and awesome. And I always recommend Jezebel. I, that need, I, I do read that sometimes, but it's not on my day to day. So I need to put that on the day to day. Yeah. Anyway. Um, on your next vacation, if we get out of the house, will it be to the mountains or the beach? Mountains. Okay. Do you call it soda or pop? I grew up in Michigan, so for the first 12 years I called it pop, and now it's soda. I was trying to remember. I was like, I think soda in Pennsylvania for sure, but I did not know that about Michigan. On a romance hero, do you prefer abs, forearms, or that chiseled jaw? chiseled jaw because you're looking at the face all the time right yeah yeah the abs are hidden also as a moon-faced woman i appreciate it a good jawline it's 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 aspirational for sure (laughs) are you more likely to buy a book with a cover that has abs on it or a beach scene beach and very important and last question what are your feelings about turning to the last page of a book first 
Oh, passionate feelings. Uh, I don't do it. I don't do it. No. Especially because I've been reading graphic novels lately and the saga graphic novels, which I highly recommend. Hmm. They're amazing. Um, because I, I started flipping. I'm like, oh, my God, that character dies. So the worst thing ever in a graphic novel is to move ahead. But I think in all books, you should just enjoy it at the pace you're enjoying it. Right. And actually, that's interesting because, yeah, because if you turn a page, you'll your eye will immediately process whatever it is you've seen. Like if you do it yeah. at the book, you could still get to an epilogue and be like, I'm not quite sure what they mean by that. But right. Oh, yeah. If you flip to the end, and you see a coffin. You'll pretty much know. <laughs> oh, Victoria, thank Dangerous. you so much for coming on. And again, I loved Who Rescued Who. Um, and I can't wait for everyone to snuggle down with it in this hmm. turbulent time. Well, thank you so much. This was a blast. I will say it again. You're an awesome interviewer. Thank you. I'll just have you come on every month to say that. <laughs> Happily. <laughs> thank you for joining me today. If you love this conversation, please leave a review or consider supporting the podcast at the link in the show notes. For a list of books discussed in this episode and other fabulous content, sign up for my newsletter at womenwithbooks.com. And remember, keep reading.